Thank you, students, for leading us in worship. If you have, uh, if you got a, a bulletin or a worship guide, would you find that, please? Maybe you, but you were just following along the words as they sang. Good, look down at the end of the um, <clears throat> the order of worship, and you'll see the the heading, the twelve steps for us all, steps eight and nine, reparation. I hope you'll find that if you're watching by live stream or on, the, on the TV, then it'll appear on the screen. And I want to say again how deeply I appreciate our media crew and all the hard work they do that make possible this partnership, that, uh, partnership that helps me communicate. I really, really appreciate it. A uh, couple of quick things uh, you already have heard, but remember that tonight at 6.30 in this room, uh, we will uh, worship together with our friends from First Missionary Baptist Church over on Blue Spring Road. Uh, it's, we're kind of out of order. In fact, we are out of order because they had a flood in their building. Typically, this spring, we would be going over there, but they're coming here, and uh, we'll go there in the fall, but uh, we hope you'll be here. It's a, it's a wonderful community event. Hope all of you will be here at 6.30. Also, especially for those who are worshiping with us by television, um, two weeks from today, uh, we're going to cut off at, at 11 o'clock. We're not going to cut off. They're going to cut us off. And it's not WHNT's fault. CBS in uh, New York say that they're going to go to March Madness, you know, to basketball at 11 o'clock. So we're, this, because we're working through the 12 steps. We didn't want to miss step 11, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to, have, we're going to begin with music, and then I'll preach, and then we'll have a great time. Y'all don't get to go home if you're in the room. We don't get to go home at 11, but uh, it'll just cut off. We wanted you to be aware of that, and um, uh, it'll just, the order will be a little bit different on uh, two weeks from, from today. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I had a terrible thought. I was... Um, I was preparing for, uh, to teach this, these steps eight and nine, we're walking through these 12 steps for us all, and I was preparing for steps eight and nine, which include getting ready for and then making amends. And I had this terrible, sudden, abrupt thought. It was like I'd been punched in the gut. There was no audible voice, but there might as well have been. For I was abruptly, suddenly aware that I was going to have to, I was going to have to make a phone call. And I knew it would not be an easy phone call. For at least a decade, I've known that I needed to make amends to someone. For, over, for a decade, I had been unkind, and I mean, I'm not, I mean really unkind, in a number of ways, and for far too long a period uh, to someone. And uh, they live in a faraway state. A drive there would, have, would, would be impractical, although I would have gone if I could have. I didn't have his phone number in my phone, so I had to call a mutual friend, and uh, I asked for his number, and I, uh, I swallowed, I swallowed hard. I was anxious. Uh, my, my heart raced a bit, and I, I made a difficult phone call. We caught up briefly, and then I said, let me tell you why I'm calling. I'm calling to say I'm deeply sorry. I was specific. I said, uh, for years I was unkind to you, and I have no excuse, only an apology. 
Then he was gracious, he was kind, he received my words well. And then I said, um, I'd like you to apologize to your wife for me too, because I knew that she had been hurt by my unkindness to her husband. He said, well, she's right here. Would you like to talk to her? <laughs> I, I didn't quite figure on that, but I, I said, sure, put her on. And um, I said the same thing to her, and she too was gracious and kind. And after a while, we, we hung up, and I was really glad I had made the call. And then, then I realized that <clears throat> making amends is more than, than just saying I'm sorry. So I had to reach back out to them, and I said, I want to follow up and say that I should have, I should have asked you a question. How can I make this right? And uh, they took their time in giving me an answer, which made me a bit nervous. I thought, you know, maybe they're thinking of some difficult uh, penance that I might have to do. But what they finally said was, we would simply like to sit with you when you come to town. And they know that I, I return there from time to time. And they said, we'd just like to sit together and talk about this. And, and I pledge to them and to you that, that we will. For over a decade, I've known that I needed to make that phone call. And again, I would have driven there had it been practical. But it took walking through the 12 steps with you, actually I'm ahead. It took this to force me to make a call that I should have made a long time ago. And I'm really glad that, that I did. If you are new, we're working through as a church, uh, the 12 steps for us all, the 12 steps originated in the recovery world, of course, but they are rooted in uh, the Bible and they are rooted in the Jesus way of life. And so we're using them as, as spiritual disciplines, as a, a program or course uh, of spiritual discipleship, of Christian discipleship, the Christ-centered 12 steps. We've walked through steps one through seven. Today we come to steps eight and nine. Look on your outline or on the screen, you'll see this quote from the book, The Steps We Took. What may happen if we do steps one to seven perfectly and then don't do steps eight and nine is that we may lose everything we have accomplished. The writer went on to say it's like making a cake. And if the cake, if the recipe for the cake calls for 12 steps in baking the cake and you stop after step seven, then you have no cake at all, and you have wasted uh, those first seven steps. So we don't want to waste our first seven steps. We don't want to waste the work that we've done. So this is a really, really big deal, this making amends. Now, look at your guiding texts from the Bible. They're on your outline and will be on the screen. First numbers five, six, and seven. Uh, Kristen read these a moment ago. When a man or a woman <coughs> wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord, that person is guilty and must confess the sin he's committed. He must make full restitution for his wrong. Proverbs 14, 9. Fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. Luke 19, verse 6, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
Now, steps eight and nine from Alcoholics Anonymous, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. We made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And this is our biblical principle for us all, the same thing. Usually when we get here, I try to broaden it to include those of us who are not struggling with an addiction. But this week, I could not improve on, even to be more inclusive, I couldn't be more inclusive than this. We made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. We made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Now let's look at some of these key phrases in these steps. First, direct amends. Direct amends, meaning you can't do this by text and you can't do this by email. If someone lives uh, too far for it to be practical uh, for you to make, uh, to have a personal conversation, then a letter or a phone call will have to suffice. But when possible, face-to-face is the way to go. Um, and be specific. This is direct amends. This is not just, well, I, I acted badly, but let's be specific as to what we have done. Direct amends. Next, direct Amends. Will Campbell wrote, my mama taught me uh, good manners, like saying I'm sorry. But he said, my mama and common sense have taught me that if I'm walking down the sidewalk and I bump into a man and I, I knock him into traffic and he gets run over by an 18-wheeler, and if I say, well, I'm sorry, well, that's not, that's not enough. I have to pick him up. And, and get him medical attention and then uh, make amends and do restitution for whatever loss he might, have, he might have suffered. See, sometimes saying I'm sorry is just not enough. The Bible says we're to make restitution. By the way, I heard about a man who wrote a letter to the, the IRS. You know, it's tax season. And there was a man who, who wrote this letter to the IRS. It said, I have not been able to sleep because last year in filling out my income tax form, I deliberately misrepresented my income. Enclosed is a check for $150. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest that I owe you. <laughs> Now, he's on the right track, but Numbers 5, we read a moment ago, said we are to make full restitution when we can. Direct amends, direct amends, wherever possible is the next phrase. Some people, frankly, might be so angry with us or hurt by us that they will not want anything to do with us. That will happen occasionally. Most, however, will, will be willing at least to hear us. If you have tried, you have done your part, and a letter in that case might be, might be the way to go. Full restitution, at least if it involves finances, might be impossible right now, but you could at least make an immediate apology and agree on some sort of plan for what the restitution might look like. Some of the people to whom we owe an amends might, might be dead. Or they might live so far, or maybe you don't even know where they, where they live. What do we do when we owe amends to people and we, we can't sit with them or call them? They're dead or we don't know where they live. Well, one option is a, 
is, is a sit-in. You get, you get um, a, a trusted friend who would, who would sit in the chair and let you literally make amends in their presence. Or I have a friend who's, uh, who mentors or, or uh, well, mentors a lot of sponsors, a lot of people in recovery, and he said, I've made more than one trip to the cemetery with people who needed to make amends to those who were gone. Not for the sake of the deceased, of course, but for the sake of the one who needed to, to come clean. So if you can't find them, there still are ways to make, to make amends. If someone has physically abused you, you don't have to sit with them. You might own part of the guilt if there has been a conflict, but you, you don't have to subject yourself to physical abuse. You can... In that case, write a, write a letter. If direct amends is impossible, then you can make what's called a living amends, meaning we change the way that, that we live. Like the young man who often went to the nursing home, he could be seen in the hallways, he could be seen in the rooms of the patients, the residents, and um, he, was, he would befriend them, he'd push them where they needed to be pushed, and as it turns out, his his mother and daddy had died in a nursing home and he felt badly that he had not been a good son to them like he had not paid them adequate attention when they were there and so he, even though he could not make amends to them he could change his living so he made he made living amends there is a way if we cannot di- make direct amends for us to make living amends there's a quote on the big book in the big book that I want you to see Follow along there. There may be some wrongs we can never fully right. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would right them if we could. The next big phrase, except when to do so would injure them or others. We do have to ask, would my amends implicate someone? Would my amends hurt someone? Would there be repercussions for innocent people? In 2005, there was a national story about an alcoholic named William Beebe who was working through the 12 steps. He came to, to step nine. And William Beebe wrote, an, wrote a letter to Liz Sicuro, and it began like this. Dear Elizabeth, in October 1984, I harmed you. William Beebe went on to apologize and to offer to make things right. The story behind that letter was that when they were students at the University of Virginia in 1984, he had sexually assaulted her. They had been at a fraternity party and he had drugged her and taken advantage of her. So now 21 years later, he again, having arrived at step step nine, sought to make amends. But it... It opened the deep and painful wound for Liz Sakuro, the victim of his assault. It was painful for her. It was painful for her husband. And because in Virginia there's no statute of limitations for such a crime, she called the police. William Beebe was arrested and served a prison term, which was right. That was right. But it was complicated because his, when William Beebe made his amends, it was, hard, it was hurtful to, it reopened that wound for Liz Sakuro. My point is that if it's complicated and if you think someone might be innocently hurt by your amends, then get good advice from a, a trusted mentor, a trusted, trusted friend. Now, let's talk some specifics 
Here are some practical suggestions on preparing for and making amends. First, there's the preparation. Step eight is we get ready. We get ready and willing. So practically, how do we prepare? Well, we begin with a chart. A few weeks ago, we did our moral inventory, and and we wrote down the ways we have messed things up, our moral failures, and the way we have hurt people. But we, we do that again, this part about hurting people, so that we don't miss anybody. Then, and this is really important, we deal with our grudges and resentments beforehand. This is so important. The experts say that um, we might want to begin with the easy ones, those that we've just sort of offended, or maybe the ones that are maybe kinder and sweeter. But eventually, if we're going to make amends, we're going to have to have hard conversations, sometimes with people we don't like, and people who don't like us. And if we're not careful, we'll go into this conversation bearing some grudges and resentments. We'll be thinking, you know, truth be told, he should be the one making amends to me, but I'm the bigger person and I'm going to make amends to him. And that's wrong. It's not about him or her. It's about us. We, we might be thinking, well, well, I did this, but, but she did that and that, but that's, it's not about she and that and that. It's about, it's about us. It's about our spiritual maturity. It's about the spiritual discipline of amends that we are engaged in. It's not about, but we got to work through that grudge, those grudges, because if, if not, when we go into the conversation, we'll be, <clears throat> we'll be a little bit angry and not very humble and not very genuine. So we got to work through the, the grudges and the the hurts that we have before we, we go. Next, uh, you, you don't have to make amends to everyone who has gotten, ever gotten mad at you. Let's say you're a school administrator or a, a mid-level manager in a corporation, and from, from above, word has come down that you need to cut the budget. Well, in order to do that, maybe you have to cut out a program that peop, some people love, and maybe even jobs are at jeopardy. But you make the decision, you you do it wisely and kindly and fairly, honestly. If you have been fair and kind and honest and you you cut the programs, there's still going to be people who are angry. You don't have to make amends to them. You're a supervisor, you fire someone for cause. If you've been fair and kind and honest, keep nurture the relationship, but you don't have to make amends. You've stated your convictions in a meeting and everybody's mad at you. You don't have to make amends for convictions, but this is about those ways that I have hurt people, that I have done things that are wrong. And I know in my heart, I know deeply in my heart that I, I must make amends. Finally, pray for humility and courage. It's going to take a, a big dose of humility and a whole heap of courage to sit with that person who maybe is still angry at you, at whom you still struggle with a grudge. It's going to take a whole lot of humility and a whole lot of courage to do this. Now, the execution. This is when we do it. So now we've gotten ourselves ready. 
We're at step nine now. We're going to make that phone call. We're going to set up that conversation. We're going to decide to meet at the coffee shop. So what do we do? Follow along on your handout still. This is not about groveling. The big book says we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile, without acting like we're a servant to someone. As, as God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. We don't grovel. Now, we're humble, but there's a difference between humility and groveling. We're not groveling. And please don't say, if I hurt you, I'm sorry, or if I offended you, I'm sorry. Don't say that. Yeah, well, if what I said hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. That's not an apology. That's casting blame on them for being overly sensitive. We say, this is what I've done, and I was wrong, and I'm sorry. Amends next is typically more than an apology. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to practice this morning. So when we have this conversation, it's going to begin like this. We're going to say, this is what I've done. I'm sorry. How can I make this right? This is what I've done. I'm sorry. How can I make this right? Would you say that with me, please? This is what I've done. I'm sorry. How can I make this right? One more time. This is what I've done. I'm sorry. How can I make this right? Now, if you're a married, if you're a husband, would you turn to your wife, please? <laughs> no, we're not going to make you do that, but that would be good practice, wouldn't it? That'd be good practice. This is what I've done. I'm deeply sorry. I have no excuse, only an apology. And I really want to make this right. How can I make this right? You might, be, you might be pleasantly surprised at the responses that you experience. There might be, the, there might be those who, who don't want to hear it or who don't respond kindly. But I believe more, in more cases than not, you will be pleasantly surprised. And, and that wasn't that beautiful when Miss Kristen put those, uh, they, she cut the, the rope symbolizing the breaking of relationship and then said, you're closer than you were before when the relationship was, was repaired. Luke says that Zacchaeus was, was too short to see Jesus when the traveling prophet came into Jericho, and so he, he climbed a tree so he could see. To make a wonderful story short, uh, Jesus went home with Zacchaeus, and something happened in the conversation. Luke doesn't tell us the details, but something happened such that, that Zacchaeus said, Jesus, I, I, I want to make amends. I will make amends beginning today to those whom I have harmed. And if I've cheated them, I will repay them more than I cheated them out of. Luke tells us that story, but doesn't tell what happened next. So maybe, maybe it went, maybe it went something like this. The next morning, the Goldsteins were having breakfast when there came a rap at the door. Little Simon got up from the table, ran to the window, looked out, and called back to his mom and dad. It's a wee little man. Get away from the window, Mrs. Goldstein said, and gave him a little knock on the noggin, and Mr. Goldstein went to the door. When he opened the door, and there stood Zacchaeus, the tax collector, he said, oh, 
Zacchaeus, not again. I gave it the office. I gave it my office. I gave it your office. Surely you're not going to milk me for more money. No, no. Zacchaeus said, it's not like that. In fact, I've come, I've come to tell you, I'm sorry. I have been unkind to you. I've been arrogant towards you. I've been disrespectful of you. And for that, I humbly apologize. Besides that, when I was collecting taxes for the Roman government, I, I, I took more than they asked for, and I kept the difference. And I'm sorry for that, and I, I'm going to pay you back. I can't do it all now, but here's a, a down payment of my repayment, and, and, and in time, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to work overtime. I'm going to, I'm going to sell some things. And I've got some other people to visit today, but today I, I pledge to you that, that I will make amends to you and I will make, I will make right that which, which I did wrong. Zacchaeus left and Mr. Goldstein walked to the kitchen table scratching his head. You're not going to believe this, he said to Mrs. Goldstein. So, so rare is the person, rare is the person who does not need to make some sort of amends to somebody or to some somebodies. Who is yours? Rare is the person who does not need to make amends to somebody or to some somebodies. What's your story? Do it for you. Do it for your, the maturation, the, the maturing of your character, your spiritual character. Do it for your own peace. You know you should, and some of you have known it for a long time, just like I did, perhaps. It's time to make amends. You have the tools to do it. There's no excuse. Don't waste the steps you've taken to this point by refusing step nine. And as Kristen said, there's no other example in history like that of, of Jesus who, who stepped into the broken relationship, although it had been broken from our end, not from God's end. Who stepped into the middle and took upon himself our sins and Made, made possible in mysterious and powerful ways the forgiveness of, of everything that's on our moral inventory, everything that's on our list. So some of us today will decide, even as we sing, we're going to make amends, and others perhaps are not yet followers of Jesus, and you'd come down here to where we are and say, I want to follow Jesus, or you're already a follower of Jesus, and you want to be a member of our church, we'd welcome you with open arms. We'd be, ministers will wait while others are singing. 267 is our hymn, 267. Blessed be the tie that binds, sometimes it's broken, it's time to fix the 